Father, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you for uh, just the ministry that you have for us tonight. I thank you that you are such a good, good father. You're such an encourager. You have words of, I don't know, just to speak into our hearts tonight, to bring confidence and to bring uh, encouragement and to build us up. I thank you that your words are life and you know exactly how to speak words in due season. You know how to speak to the places in our lives that you are moving in and you are transforming and you are upgrading and you are healing and you are making beautiful. And so we give you permission tonight, um, Holy Spirit, just to move however you want to move. Say whatever you want to say. Do whatever you want to do. We just yield to you. We yield to heaven's agenda tonight. We yield to what is on the Father's heart for every single person that is here tonight, every person that will be listening to the teaching by podcast. Lord, we just declare uh, just a move of the Holy Spirit that, Father, even while I am speaking, you are speaking. And uh, I thank you that you are setting us free tonight. You are giving us the truth. We are having an experience with the truth tonight that sets us free. I thank you that you are leading and guiding us into all truth. You are you are showing us things to come, and we are on the path of righteousness. We're on the path of life. We are on the path that leads to heaven invading earth, not only in our lives but through our lives, Lord. And so we just connect to uh, your divine destiny for us tonight. We connect to all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. We connect to just the realm of the spirit, Lord, where we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God, I thank you that you have more than enough for every single person, Father. You are more than enough. And so we just tap into that overflowing fountain of goodness that flows from your heart. And we just taste your goodness tonight. We taste and we see that you are good tonight. And we just bless our time together and we thank you in advance for everything that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have been uh, just last, you know, several teachings now, I've been talking about uh, just being spiritually minded. And I've been talking about the, the, the scripture in Romans uh, chapter 8 that talks about to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Um, and we talked about the fact that to be carnally minded uh, is really just to, mean, to be human minded. It's to be, uh, f- you know, they say fleshly minded, but you know, it just means of the physical realm, of the natural realm, of a human perspective. And... Um, In Romans chapter 8, in a different version, it says this. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I really like the idea that our minds can be governed, right? That they can be, um, you know, lorded over. They can be uh, managed by either two things. It could be either by the flesh or by our human, human thinking, or if you want to think of our unrenewed mind, uh, they can be governed by those things, or they can be governed by the spirit, which is life and peace. And we also have been talking about the idea that we have five physical senses and we have five spiritual senses. And that as, as believers who uh, Jesus Christ lives inside of and who we live inside of him, uh, we have been called to not walk by our physical sight, but to walk by faith. And to walk by faith means that we are interacting with an invisible realm. We are in, interacting. We have, we have the ability to perceive spiritual reality. And it is so important that we remain awake to the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is what spawned the natural realm. So it is the more powerful realm. It is the eternal realm. It is the place that... Uh, the Lord Jesus sits on his throne and it's the place where we are seated in him right now. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ right now. And that is, an, that is true. That is, that is a truth, even though we cannot perceive that with our physical senses. We, we cannot 
in, in the physical realm, be in two places at one time. But in the spiritual realm, we can be in anywhere we need to be. <laughs> and we are in Christ in heavenly places right now. But tonight, I, I really wanted to, to uh, go into a scripture that I, I feel like the Lord is really wanting us to release our faith for. Uh, and it, it's in John 16. And in John 16, this is when Jesus is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that was going to happen after his death and resurrection. And um, in John 16, I really love John 14, 15, 16, 17. All of those chapters leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus are so, so very powerful. Uh, it, it, they really uh, document the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples in preparation for his going away and coming back again. And um, I'm going to read this out of the New uh, Living Translation to start, and then we may go to a different translation. But in the New Living Translation, in John chapter 16, Jesus begins talking. He says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, right? They, and remember, Jesus was about to go to the cross. I mean, it was really all hell was about to break loose in the lives of the disciple, disciples. And Jesus was speaking these things to him to be of comfort to them. And in verse 5, he says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. In verse 7, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, or in other words, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Now, I love that. I'm not going to teach a lot on that, but um, it is so important that you and I understand that the Holy Spirit is not convicting believers of their sin. That doctrine that says that the Holy Spirit is coming to you and uh, think about the word conviction. I mean, it is a, it is a, uh, what happens when someone gets charged with a crime and they are found guilty of a crime. They are convicted of a crime, right? So it is a guilty verdict against someone who has committed a crime. Well, the Holy Spirit is not convicting you. You are not convicted in the Holy Ghost. You are not guilty in Christ. And so there will never be another conviction that is ever brought about you for the remainder of eternity because you have been declared not guilty. That's what it means to be justified. You are justified in Christ. That's why there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That is legal language. That is legal language that is talking about uh, that you have been uh, pronounced not guilty for all of eternity. You, you are not only forgiven, you are now righteous, all right? You are not just the forgiven of the Lord, you are the holy of the Lord. Matter of fact, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, uh, in verse, you know, the very first part of that verse is like 1 through 5, it talks about the fact that you, that, that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that you might be holy and blameless in his sight. So from God's perspective, you are holy and blameless. Now, when you read these scriptures and you don't really understand what it's saying, you know, we come up with really bad doctrine and really bad ideas like the conviction of the Holy Spirit. No, the, the only thing the Holy Spirit is convicting you of is the fact that you are righteous. He is finding you guilty of being righteous. He is finding you guilty of being holy. He is finding you guilty of being blameless. If you're guilty of anything, it's of being perfect like Jesus Christ, right? Because the sinful nature that you identified with was crucified with Christ. And you are a believer. You are not a sinner. You are a saint. So this particular translation is awesome because it says the world's sin is this. Frankly, God's not even going and convicting unbelievers or people that don't know Jesus 
of, of all their sins either. He's not going around convicting them of lying and convicting them of committing, you know, adultery or convicting them of, of child abuse, even as horrible as that is. No, there is one sin that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of, and it is the sin of refusing to believe in Jesus Christ. And the only reason they're convicted of that is because that's the only thing that keeps them from being convicted as, as perfect and being convicted as righteous. So there's only two convictions here, right? Is that you are not believing in the one that is going to, wants to take your place. The one that wants to take your place in the, in the, in, in the, in the role of the accused. And if you aren't going to receive Jesus taking the place of you in the role of the accused, well then guess what? You're going to be, you're going to be in that role. And so it says here that he's, he's convicting the world of its sin and of God righteousness and of the coming judgment. So the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, Jesus. It says righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. So what he's saying is, I'm about to make you righteous because I am going to die and I am going to get resurrected. And when I die, I'm going to die as sin. I'm going to die as the curse. And, and, and because I'm going to the Father, I can now convict the world of what righteousness really is. And righteousness is found in me. And then he says, <clears throat> and of judgment, because it says judgment will come because the ruler of this world has been judged. So he's also, the Holy Spirit is declaring that the enemy has been judged. Amen? In verse 12, he says, oh, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. He's saying, I want to, I want to tell you more, but you're, you're just, your mind is already blown. You know, you can't think with me yet on these topics. You don't understand. You have a carnal mind. <laughs> and so you're not, you're not able to think at my level at, with the things that I want to share with you. Your paradigm is way down here. And I, I'm about 20 paradigms ahead of you. And I, you've got to come up. You've got to come up. But here's what he says in verse 13. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And then he says, he will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said, the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. So, so, so powerful. Jesus sitting down with his disciples and explaining to them what was about to happen and explaining really the person of the Holy Spirit. In the Amplified, I really like the way uh, it amplifies the word that the New Living Translation translates as advocate. It amplifies that word and uh, it has a, several different names for the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse number uh, seven. It says, because if I do not go away, the comforter, and then in parentheses it says the counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby will not come to you in close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Now, I want to stop here for a moment because uh, a lot of us don't take advantage of <clears throat> the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It talks about in Roman eight, Romans 8 that the, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Well, what Spirit? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It says that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you have a companion in Holy Spirit. Not just a companion, you have a comforter in Holy Spirit. You have a counselor. You need to go to therapy? Well, you have a counselor with the Holy Spirit. You have a helper, a help meet. You have someone to help. You, have, you are not without help, a helper, 
right? You have an advocate. That means someone that is on your team, someone that is rooting for you, someone that is going to bat for you, someone that is taking up for you, someone that is working things out together for your good. Well, he has your best interests in heart. He is an intercessor. That means that he is praying for you, that he is interceding for you. He is he is speaking victory over you. He is calling things that be not as though they are over you. He is, he is constantly uh, making intercession for you. It says he is your strengthener. This means that you, are, you have a spirit of might that you have access to. You, you have supernatural strength. I mean, even, even if you're physically tired or emotionally tired, you have someone that can strengthen you from the inside out. And he is a standby, meaning he is always ready, right? He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't need a strengthener. <laughs> he is the source, and he is always ready, standing by with, to supply whatever it is that you need. He takes what belongs to Jesus, and he manifests it to you right? In verse 15, in the Amplified Version, it says that he will, de- he takes the things that are mine and, and will reveal, disclose, declare, and transmit them to you. So he is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus and what belongs to you. He is very intimately aware of your inheritance. He sees you for exactly who you are in Christ, and it is his job to convict you and remind you that you are guilty of being just like Jesus. In 1 John, it says that as he is in this world, so are you. And so Holy Spirit's job is to constantly remind you of that, convict you of that, and help you remember what is real. But I really felt like tonight that the Lord wanted me to highlight the scripture that talks about that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. In verse 13, uh, he is constantly revealing truth to us. He is after every bit of deception in your life. He does not want there to be one lie that remains uncovered, right? He wants to reveal the things that you are believing uh, about yourself, about God, about the nature and the character of God, about what is possible for your life. And so he is constantly upgrading what you believe by leading you and guiding you into all truth. Now, he also says, the way that he does that. Jesus says that he is not going to speak his own message. He's not going to speak of his own authority. But the way he's going to lead you into all truth is he's going to tell you what he's hearing from the Father. So he is the Father's voice. So when you, when he, when you hear him speaking, I mean, he is in tune with what the Father is saying. And he is giving you the Father's message. And it says that he will announce and declare to you in the Amplified Version the things that are to come or happen in the future. I really felt like the Holy Spirit is wanting us to release our faith and get in agreement with this. Uh, He has, I keep calling them visions of victory. Visions of victory. Holy Spirit has visions of victory for every single situation in your life. Every single problem, every single challenge, everything that doesn't look like heaven in your life, the Holy Spirit has a vision of victory that he wants to transmit to you. He wants to share with you. And he wants you to see the things that are to come. You know, in my own life, this has happened to me many times that I really have been sensing an increase in this if, in fact, you will release your faith for it and seek it, right? If the Holy Spirit uh, wants to show you the future, well, then why don't you just say, okay, Lord, I receive it. I know tonight someone's here that needs a new car. Their car broke down. Well, Holy Spirit, why don't you show uh, that person the future about their vehicle? Show them what you have in mind for them so that they could get an agreement with it and they can receive it. And a lot of times when we are carnally minded, all we think about is the problem. We think about it from a perspective of lack, from a perspective of what we don't have. And it's very, very easy to get depressed and down. In other words, be carnally minded, have death, feel like death, <laughs> you know, and, and, you just lose your peace because you're just, you've magnified whatever you're dealing with 
uh, into such a mountain uh, that you get depressed. But the Holy Spirit is not, that, that is a, a pointless, useless use of your power, the power of your mind. Uh, the power of thought that, that the Lord has given you. The word says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so thing, your thoughts are tangible. Your thoughts are, are powerful. They, they are creative in nature. And so when we, we want to think with the spirit, we want the spirit to govern our minds. We want to get his perspective on everything in our lives. And it requires that you and I cultivate intimacy with God, that we cultivate hearing from God, that we actually make sitting down and hearing God the priority of our lives, that we, 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 we don't talk so much about the problem to God. That's one of the best things about God is that you don't even have to tell him the problem. It's such a shortcut. You know, you can just sit down with God and say, you already know. Matter of fact, you already know it better than I know it, right? Because you saw it. Before it happened, you knew it was coming. I mean, you know everything about it. And so you don't have to waste a bunch of your time, you know, explaining it all to the Lord. I mean, he understands. That is such a comfort to me. You, ex, you understand the things I don't even understand, Lord, you know. Uh, but you, you can sit down with him and say, you know, so, so help me. Help me think right. Help me think from your perspective, what's the truth here, Holy Spirit, that you're trying to get to me? What is the lie that you're trying to uncover in my life? What are these circumstances right now designed to reveal to me about you? Who do you want to be for me right now? What is a revelation about you that I wouldn't get unless I was in this particular situation? Because if you're working everything out for my good, there is good in this situation that wouldn't happen unless I was in this situation. And so, Lord, show me the truth. What, are, what, what is it? What is it that you want to reveal to me that belongs to me because of Christ? Right? And it, it's, a, it's a conversation where, where you are being led and, and into all truth by the Holy Spirit. And then don't just stop there. Say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you prophesying over my life? What is, what is the future that you want me to receive? And, you know, and personally, I've just really been sitting down with the Lord and, and doing this. And I can't tell you, I mean, it, everything he's shown me in the last two weeks has either already happened or is in the process of happening. And I know that when you focus in on this particular verse and you seek the Lord, for him to be, when you, Holy Spirit, you're just asking Holy Spirit to be who he is. <laughs> you're not asking anything spectacular. You're not asking him to go out on a limb. You're just asking him to be who Jesus said that he was in your life. You're asking him to be the counselor. You're asking him to be the comforter. You're asking him to be the helper, the standby, the intercessor, the advocate. And, and you're asking him to be the truth, the spirit of truth that leads and guides you into all truth and shows you the future. And so this is not radical Christianity. This is not radical in any sense of the word. This is the normal relationship that you and I are to have with the Holy Spirit. It's his job. He, like I said, he, I love that scripture in Ephesians 1.17 that says the apostle Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus. And he says, uh, grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, right? The knowledge of God. You know, Holy Spirit, unveil the goodness of God. Unveil uh, the inheritance that is mine in Christ. Unveil what I really look like. Unveil, you're my inexhaustible source. Reveal what actually you have for me. And it's this, I just really felt this, this invitation to, to come in closer, not that you can get any closer to the Holy Spirit because he's inside of you, but it's more just an invitation to listen closer, to, to pay attention more, to uh, become more spiritually minded as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a simple, really... You know, there's a, an exercise that we do and emerge at, towards the end of the program where it's just a pr just learning to practice the presence of God. And what I tell in this exercise, what I tell everyone to do in this exercise is I say, you know what, for just a week, set, set an alarm on your phone or on your smartwatch or, hey, if you don't have that, set it on, get a timer, however you want to do it. Uh, you know, but just on the hour, every hour. For, for your waking hours for a week and on the, you know, and on the hour, just remember, just take, make a note to remember that, that you, what is real, uh, you know, that your spiritual senses are awake, 
that you are, you are in Christ, that Christ is in you, and that you can practice his indwelling presence. You, you are, you are, we are called to abide in the vine. And it is just so easy to forget. I mean, that we're, Holy Spirit, we're talking about the, the, the guy that was brooding over the waters when, when the Lord said, let there be light. We're talking about the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, that reanimated Jesus' body and conquered death. We're talking about the, the spirit of God that anointed Jesus, that, that did every miracle in Jesus' ministry. We are talking about the spirit that, that prophesied every prophecy that was ever prophesied in the Bible. The, the Holy Spirit that inspired the, the men uh, to write the Bible. The, the, the spirit that was on the stone that, that, that knocked the giant down and killed him, right? I mean, the power of the living God, the spirit of the living God. And this is he who is with you, that lives in you. And you are, there is so much available to us in, in any given moment. You know, if you are needing comfort, then this is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to become that in your life in a way. I don't think it's theoretical comfort. I don't think when he said, I'm a comforter, I'm just like, a, it's like, you know, I always think of when I hear the word comforter, I think of like my blanket or my down comforter that's on my bed. It's so warm and fluffy and, you know, it's it's comfortable. It's a comforter, you know, but having a, a pretend blanket is it gonna is it gonna bring me any comfort? It's not gonna keep me warm on the winter nights. I mean, it's it's not a pretend deal. I mean, he's not saying I'm a pretend comforter. No, he, when he says he's a comforter, it means that something's got to manifest in our lives that brings us comfort. And and so, Holy Spirit, we want to experience that. We don't want to just read about it. We don't want to say we don't want to just religiously say, oh, you're called the comforter, so we're gonna we're gonna address you as comforter. No, we need to know you as comforter. And in Ephesians 1.17, when it does talk about the Apostle Paul's prayer, um, you know, it talks about experiencing God, experiencing him. Not just, it's a spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of God. It's not an intellectual knowledge. It's a gnosko knowledge, meaning that it's an experience. It's an experience of God all throughout the New Testament. I mean, that is the promise of the cross. That is the promise of Jesus's life is that we would become one with God, not theoretically, but experientially, that we would experience the power of Jesus's resurrection. Um, I love it in Philippians. I'm going to go there in the Passion Translation for a moment. In Philippians uh, chapter 3, there is a powerful scripture about the Apostle Paul's desire to experience Christ, to, to, to fellowship with his uh, crucifixion and his resurrection. And I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, let me go here to Philippians. Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 3, and here's what it says. Okay, verse number nine, it says, my passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based in keep, uh, based on the faith of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness of God. And by his faith, I will fully experience oneness with Jesus and the explosive power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him and his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the destiny that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, 
However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past and as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. And then it says, so let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to him. So here the apostle Paul is talking about this experience of Jesus. Okay, and and this experience of Jesus is going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to us. And, and that is really what I, I really felt so strongly Holy Spirit was on his heart tonight is that he wants, he wants to lead and guide us into all truth. He wants to show us things to come. He wants to be who he is in our lives. And he wants to awaken us to his presence, to his uh, indwelling presence, to his, his, uh, his being with us through every moment of the day. And so back to this example, you know, we set, I say set this alarm just to, just as a reminder because it's just so easy to fall asleep. It's just so easy to forget. It's just so easy to live naturally and to rely on our physical senses and believe that what we are experiencing here in the physical realm is the real life experience, that this is all there is to life. And then we just live under it rather than overcoming it. And we are called to be overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. We are, we are called to, to be joyful in every circumstance, to rejoice in all things, not because all things are worthy of rejoicing, but because we have overcome the things that would be depressing. There is another perspective, God's perspective, heaven's perspective, that, that God wants to bring you in everything that we go through so that our joy will be complete, that our joy won't be found in the temporal things of this earth, but our joy will be found in the one that we live and move and have our being inside of. There is a joy unspeakable that is full of glory as we experience God in his fullness, as we continue to walk in the truth and have the, the, the glory of Jesus unveiled to us. It is a glorious, glorious place to sit with God. You know, David, David said that he, he, one thing he desired, one thing had he asked of the Lord, and that was to dwell in the house of the Lord for all of his days and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And here, we have something so much better than what David experienced with God. Because we have become God's temple. We are going into the house of the Lord. We are the house of the Lord. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord is our privilege. It's something that we get to, we get to experience God. We get to experience his beauty, his thoughts, his ways, his emotions. And so we can sit with him and say, how, how do you feel? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts about this situation? What do you want to speak? What's the truth that, you, that, that would, would set me free and, and cause me to experience the righteousness, peace, and joy that belongs to me because I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and I have been placed in the kingdom of your dear son that I now live in heaven every single day although I am walking still in 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 the fallen world how do I how do I transcend the human experience holy spirit because that was Paul's passion he wanted to he wanted to experience what it meant to live a resurrected life to be glorified to be to be as you are here in this world you know, how you are, Jesus, is not just human. You're, 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 you're seated on high. 
You're far above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. You are, you, your hair is white as wool. Your eyes are with like flames of fire. Your feet are like burnished bronze. You have a belt of truth around your waist and you hold seven stars in your hand and you have the keys of hell and you have the keys of death that you are the resurrected king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am, I want to partake. I want to, I want to fellowship in, in your resurrection. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to experience what you're experiencing. I want the truth of what you have overcome and what you have accomplished to be my truth. I want to, I want to, I want people to experience you when they are with me. And Lord, I, I just, I, I am here with you right now because I'm giving you the opportunity to be Holy Spirit who you have promised and have declared yourself to be. So I'm receiving you as my comforter. I'm receiving you as my truth giver. I'm receiving you as my advocate, as my strengthener, as my standby. I am receiving everything that you want to transmit to me, that you want to disclose to me, that you want to show me that belongs to Jesus, that belongs to me now, that that is the Father's, that it gave to Jesus. I just want to see it all, Holy Spirit. So just show me visions of victory. Enlighten my eyes. Show me the hope of my calling. And and give me (laughs) an anchor for my soul. (laughs) Give me a place, that a solid foundation in my life so that I am no longer a child that is, you know, tossed to and fro with the winds of doctrine and the circumstances of life, but I am rooted and grounded in your love. I am rooted and grounded in the truth, and I'm experiencing the fullness of Christ. I'm experiencing the fullness of who you are. Now, that's a good prayer. You know, that's worth rewinding. And writing down in your journal, you know what I mean? Like, that's a good conversation to have with the Holy Spirit. It's way better than our weak little prayers and, and the things that, the complaints that we have. And just, you know, we're just living so many times just from such a, a carnal place. You know, that's why knowing the Word is just, there's no substitute for knowing the Word. Not, and I don't mean just memorizing the Word. I mean having a good understanding of the Gospel. I mean, understanding what Jesus Christ has accomplished. You know, I spent so many years just with some foundational scriptures uh, that taught me the gospel. So that when I, because I tell you, when I first started reading the Bible, all I did was, I was just condemned the whole time. I would read the Bible and it would just, I would read it and think, I can't do any of this. You know, I didn't understand that that I no longer lived. I didn't understand that the reason it was telling me to do that is because I was a new creation and the greater one who lived in me was going to be living his life through me. That this wasn't a set of rules that I was supposed to follow. It was a way of being that I was supposed to experience because I was in Christ. It's so powerful. It's so powerful to just abide in a new identity that was that, that you were poured into when you were baptized into Christ. And I just had no idea what the gospel really meant. But... The prayers, like I, you know, I just, just kind of spewed out there for a moment. I mean, new covenant prayers, gospel-based prayers. Man, it's hard to be in a bad mood. It's hard to be in a bad mood. Our days are so purposeful because we are, we are to be living epistles of the truth. We are to be, uh, living lights. Uh, 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 that shine the way, right? To the, to the kingdom and to what it means to be actually alive. Not a walking dead person, but actually alive in Christ, sharing and partaking in his divinity, in his divine nature. And um, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into these truths. He wants to, he wants to establish you in the reality of, of the new covenant and the new creation and who you are in him. And he wants to uncover every single lie that you have believed that has distorted your self-concept, that has caused you to believe that you are a version of yourself that looks less than Jesus, like Jesus Christ himself. You know, you are a mirror of God himself. Now, I grit it. Your beha- See, the problem is we try to judge who we are based upon our behavior or based upon our thoughts or based upon our circumstances. We let all kinds of things define us besides the word of God. 
And the word of God is the definition of who you are because you have been recreated in Christ Jesus. And the only place the old identity lives is, is it's a habit. You have a habit in your mind that is the old you. you you've, you've habitually lived a certain way and you are mistaken in thinking that's who you are. No, it is just a habit that has to be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit leading you into all truth so that you can be who Christ and who God recreated you to be. It's good news. Amen? It's good news. And this is, I'll tell you what, if this isn't your priority, I don't know what is. If your priority is not renewing your mind and getting established and who you are in Christ, that I'm not sure what your priority is because everything in your life is built upon the foundation of your new identity. Everything in your life flows out of who you are. It does not flow out of what you do. It flows out of who you are. And if you are confused about who you are, of course you're not going to do the right things. If you get clear about who you are and, and, and start to... Just rest, rest in what Jesus has accomplished for you. Rest, it's a finished work. You don't have to do anything but rest in it and say thank you. Thank you for it. You don't really even have to say thank you because your thank you doesn't make it more real. You know, your thank you just maybe helps you. (laughs) But there's nothing you can do about who Jesus has recreated you to be. It's really a question of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you into all truth. Now, Holy Spirit, what are you, this piece about wanting to show people things to come. You know, I feel like the, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been, this year specifically, this year he has, he has declared it to me and anybody else that wants to go with me. I mean, this is a word for anybody that wants to grab it. I, I'm, I'm not being stingy with it at all. I, I'm going to share this with anybody that wants to play with it. Well, you know, it's like, come out and play. Anybody that wants to come and play, you can come play with this word, this word with me. And because he said, this is a breakout year. This is a breakout year. This is the year to break out. You know, and when he gave me those three words, he gave me three pictures. The first one was just a straight out prison break. You know what I mean? Just, you're just breaking out of bondage. You're just getting out of the jails that, that, that jail sale and, and you are, you're free, free, Right. And I always think of, whenever I think about that, I always think about being naked and unashamed. I always think that real freedom looks like that. I mean, you know, when, when you have a little kid that just, I mean, even my little Ella, she just loves to run around naked and unashamed, you know, just run through the house, free, you know. And there's just something about the innocence of a child who has not been, doesn't understand what shame is. You know, and that's what freedom is. Freedom is freedom from any self-consciousness. Freedom from any shame-based negative opinion about yourself. Amen? Just true freedom, just freedom. So breakout year, freedom, right? And then the second picture of breakout, this one wasn't quite so fun or anything, but it's very powerful, but it just still was kind of like, ugh. And it it was really a picture of acne. (laughs) Not Not a pleasant picture, but it was a picture of the, the things that were hidden in our lives coming to the surface. You're in the middle of a breakout. You know? Now, sometimes we want to hide. You know? we, we, don't wanna, we want to put some cover up on it, right? a little makeup on it. We want to cover it up so no one can see it. But you don't have to cover it up with the Lord. Coming back to being naked, we don't have to cover up. We don't have to, we don't have to cover up anything in our lives that we are that when we are coming into the knowledge of the truth and we are giving up our sin habits <laughs> because they don't fit us anymore <laughs> and we're just giving up our, our habit of being the old man who's already dead and we're just, we're just, we're breaking it. It's an addiction. We have an addiction to the old man and we're breaking the, we're breaking the addiction, right? Well, guess what? You know, these, we don't have to hide those things that are coming up and that, that are, that are maybe not so pretty, right? But a lot of times because we won't allow them to come up, we won't bring them into the light. And the light is not a scary place with Jesus. Okay, the light is not scary. We think about it because of shame. Because of shame, we think it's scary to bring something into the light because we think we're going to get in trouble. See, we think we're going to get punished. 
We think God is going to condemn us or he's going to judge us or he's going to reject us or he's going to abandon us or he's going to give us a good talking to or he's going to, you know, whatever we think. We, because, see, there's no fear in love. And, and, and God is light and God is love. And there is no fear in his love. Matter of fact, his love casts out that fear. His love, it says, because fear brings with it punishment, it says in 1 John chapter 4. So there is no fear of punishment. You are not going to be punished for bringing something into the light of God's love. The only thing that's going to happen is he is going to show you the truth about it. And when he shows you the truth about it, it is... it. It's like you've never thought of it before. <laughs> you know, you just go, wow, never saw it like that before. But, you know, because it, you never had the light. You've never been perfectly loved before. You've never had to, to be in a place of where you didn't have to be ashamed anymore. You never had to hide. You don't have to hide. You've never been in that place before. So you, there's no way you would, would know what, what, it, what it is. It's only in the perfect light and perfect place of God's love that you can look at these things without any shame. You can look at them just, just like God does, just like God does. Is, is he's, not a, he's not intimidated. He's not intimidated by anything in your life. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of anything in your life. He is never ashamed of you. He understands that all of our ways of behaving that are less than perfect like him are coming out of brokenness and he is not upset with the idea that something has broken down in our minds and our way of thinking and our ways of believing and the ways that and of course in our ways of behaving and so this this breakout year is about these things being able to be brought into the light so that the holy spirit can show you the truth you know, some people just need to hear the Lord say, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. And I, I, I tell this, this, this story sometimes, and I'm going to share it here because it just seems appropriate. Uh, because, you know, I have had so much healing in my own life. There's been so many things that the Lord has helped me bring into the light and show him uh, just wrong ways of thinking that led to destructive ways of beha- behaving. And I remember I was one time the Lord was talking with me because shame makes you kind of think it's not only your fault, but it's like you are a fault. <laughs> you know, just there's that you are at, at your core, you're to blame. It's all your fault, kind of. And I remember one time it was, I was really dealing with some things that had to do with my own internal atmosphere and it just feeling so chaotic and so out of control. And because of that, you know, just not having a whole lot of patience. Um, you know, I, I have two, two, two small children and it just, I would just be so overwhelmed at times. And I really was seeking the Lord about it. And he took me back to a time in my childhood that was very, very chaotic and very, very overwhelming. And somehow as a child, I had taken it on as my responsibility to fix it. And I was supposed to fix the chaos and fix somehow. I mean, I don't, it's a child's mind. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be logical. But I remember talking to the Lord from this place. And, and, and you know, he was just saying, it wasn't my fault. You know, and I, I said, well, then whose fault was it? Because I really, it was somebody's fault. Somebody, somebody created this situation. And so whose fault was it? And he said, Shalice, it was my fault. And I, I, I kind of, kind of, you know, a brain twist there for a minute. And I was like, Jesus, what do you mean it was your fault? You didn't do anything. I mean, you probably were there trying to help, you know, and we just wouldn't hear you or something. How could it be your fault? I had no grid for this. He said, Shalice, on the cross, it all became my fault. He said, that's why in the new creation, you stand blameless in my sight. And he said, not just you, child, but all of my children. 
He said, I see them as having no fault. It's kind of like no fault insurance. You know, it doesn't matter really who's at fault. You just, they just pay. You know, but that, that blew my mind when he was like, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. And it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Just this idea that, wow, Jesus is blaming himself for my junk. My sin has become his fault. Now that, I better read you a scripture about being blameless or you think I'm going to, you think I'm preaching some other gospel. I'm telling you, the gospel's that good. The gospel is so good, you need, you almost, you almost feel suspicious of it. You're like, ah, now wait a minute now. Where does that say that in the Bible? Because that's just, somebody needs to be, have some accountability for their behavior. You can't just say those things. Shalise, people will go out there, go crazy. They'll just start sinning everywhere. They'll just start, you know, they'll go hog wild, sinning, sinning, sinning. Well, no. You know, that concept that somehow condemnation is going to keep people from sinning is totally antichrist. There is absolutely no, guilt does nothing except make people depressed. And when people are depressed, guess what? They act way worse and they just get worse and worse and worse. I mean, it's, it's, it causes, it causes all kinds of problems, but let's go to uh, Ephesians here, uh, Ephesians chapter one, and I'm going to read it. I think in the passion, I, I go back on which trans, I love translations. I love to go in different translations and look at different scriptures because they're just really show you different aspects of, of what the, the author meant when you look at it in different translations. But I want to um, see if this Passion Translation brings it out. Okay, let's just, I'll read this one here and then we'll go somewhere else and read it again. But it says here, I'll start in verse three just because it's so good. It says, everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us as one with Christ. From the beginning, so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Unstained innocence is the way Brian Simmons uh, translated that verse. Uh, In just the regular, let's just look at another translation of it um, in Ephesians. Uh, Let me go here to, this is the voice translation. Uh, It says in verse four, he chose us to be in relationship with him even before he laid out plans for this world. He said he wanted us to live holy lives characterized by love, free from sin and blameless before him. Blameless before him. In the, um, let's look at a different one here. We'll just look at uh, the King James version. It says, um, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So back to this whole idea of the breakout. So this is about bringing the, if you're blameless, okay, why are we, why would you be afraid to bring it into the light? Okay, you're blameless. You're not, it's like, you know how kids sometimes they, they they don't want to tell you what what you know oh, I didn't I didn't break it mom why they don't want to tell you because they're afraid of getting in trouble right but if if, there, if there's no if there's no threat of trouble right you're not going to get grounded you, you, there's no consequences I mean I hear people say all the time oh well you know he may forgive you but you've got to experience the consequences well who says who says because from his perspective, you're blameless. So if you're blameless, there aren't consequences. If it's his fault, he took the consequences. The consequences have already been given. It was called nails in Jesus' hands. It was called 
suffering to such a degree that he, he, his visage, when he was on the cross, ceased to look like a human being. I mean, it's about stripes on his back. It's about a crown of thorn on his head. I mean, the the consequences are great, but they aren't yours. Well, Shalise, what about if you have to go to prison? Or what about if you have to go to, to, you know, and you have a baby? Or, you know, I mean, okay. I, I mean, I'm not saying that your life may have, there may be things in your life that you, that you go, that turns of events that happen that you have to walk through. But who said those are consequences? I believe that a life lived in prison in Christ is incomparably good to a life lived outside of prison without Christ. And so it's, I mean, Paul was in prison and he wrote Philippians and is saying rejoice. So it's not the outward circumstances that... That's the whole point. They have, what, what control does anything have over you? When, you? when you really grasp the goodness of God. And so this breakout, you can bring it into the light. You can bring it into the light, and guess what? It can be transformed, and it is, it's a breakthrough. It's a new level, another level of freedom. It's another level of living in your true identity. And then the last picture that breakout gave me that the Lord gave me about breakout was this picture of like a seed bursting where the, where the, where the little plant comes through the seed and he bursts out, he breaks out of the shell, right? And then somehow gets through the dirt, the pressure of the soil and breaks, pushes, pushes and breaks through to the ground and then continues to grow. And, you know, I have this uh, orchid at home that was given to me as a gift. And I have about, a brown of thumb typically as it comes. I, I mean, I can't grow anything usually. And honestly, the orchid, the petals fell off when they gave it to me after, you know, I don't know, maybe a month or something. And I thought, oh gosh, I just killed it. Flowers fell off. And I think I have a picture of it because now that I'm thinking about it, this is so strange. I think it was purple when they gave it to me. But just recently, in the last two months, it's bloomed. And I kept putting kind of water in, I don't know why, because the leaves were green still, still, and it had this like kind of lifeless looking stalk on it. And it was a gift, and so I didn't want to throw it away. And so I guess I just kind of kept watering it. I don't know why, what I was even doing. I think I let water just sit in it. Because anyway, the point is it bloomed, except now it's white. I need to go back to the picture and actually, because I am pretty like 100% sure that it was purple when they gave it to me. So it's bloomed in another color. Like, I don't even know if orchids do that. I don't know if it's going to turn purple in a little while. I've never grown in an orchid. But the point is, this thing grew a whole new stem, and then it, now it's, it burst out with these little, and they became flowers. And it's this picture of this breakout. Like, there's growth, massive growth, and it's visible growth. See, the breakout, when that seed, like that little seed doesn't look like anything, you know, it just looks like a seed. But then when that little plant starts to bust out of it, and then, not, you know, it's same thing with fruit. I mean, it just starts to bust out of it. And so the breakout is about fruitfulness. It's about growth. It's about, it's about progress. It's not about just being hidden your whole life, just sitting underground, just, you know, just hidden and just hoping you're in, in the, I'm believing my, in my potential stage. I mean, there's so much potential in a seed, but, you know, after so many, I mean, you know, if you just keep a seed in the packet forever, it's never, ever going to grow. I mean, you have to put it in kind of the dark place and the hidden place for it to even grow. And I'm sure, you know, that seed, if, if it had a, you know, a thought when it got buried in that ground, it probably wouldn't be too excited about it. It'd be thinking, whoa, what happened? Where's all the light? You know, I was in my seed packet with all my friends. Where are they? I'm here by myself. I don't have any friends. You know, it's very confusing probably, you know, but then all of a sudden it's busting out and becoming something that looks completely different from the seed and it's just growing and growing and producing fruit. And that is the other vision that God gave me for this year, breakout. And so this is, this, these are visions of victory. This, this, and I know that he, this year is 
what you know nothing necessarily special about 2018 except that it is a fresh opportunity for you to give yourself a clean slate give god a clean slate be like the apostle paul and let the things that you know that are in past lie behind and and go for it like you've never gone for it before with the lord and make it make it a priority to just say, okay, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me into all truth. Show me things to come. Renew my mind. Get me in agreement. You know, let's go into let's let's get in the light here. Let's get in the light here. What 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 what's what's hindering me? What's 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 got to get off of me? It's it's bear, weighting me down. I gotta I gotta be free here. I don't I don't want all this stuff, this false identity, these these things that that I believe about myself and about you and about what's possible for my life to weigh me down another day. If all, if I could do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, then come on, let's get rid of this stuff. It, this has been on me long enough. You took it on the cross, Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold it on to it anymore. Amen. It's a completely different perspective, you know, than, I don't know, just feeling bad about yourself feeling stuck, you know? No. This is this is breakout time. And if you're in a place right now where things don't seem like they're going really well in your life, well, you know what? It's a time to shout. It's a time to shout because this now you can bring it into the light. It, it, it's just the manifestation of the things that God is about to set you free from. Amen? He's, he's got his, I don't know, What's your, what's the acne medicine you put on? You know, he's got his, he's going to put some proactive on that thing and he's going to heal that up. (laughs) So don't be upset about the breakout. It's just, it's, it's let look at it. Look at it. If you don't like the things about your life, if there's something you don't like, then look at it. Take it into the light with the Holy Spirit and say, whoo, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me what I have believed about myself. Show me what I believed about you. Show me how this thing got on me and then heal it, Lord. Show me the truth that sets me free from this. Let's not underestimate God. And here's the thing too. You don't, what am I, the two things. Part of what the Lord is doing in our negative circumstances is getting us to a place where our negative circumstances don't define us. I'm going to say it again. Part of what the Lord is doing through our negative circumstances is getting us to the place where our negative circumstances don't define us. I mean, how powerful was it for Apostle Paul to be in prison and be rejoicing? I mean, this man couldn't be controlled. His mood was not set by his geography or his location. And I think sometimes we, 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 the Lord just, just will let things happen just so you can learn that that thing does not, has nothing to do with your identity. That your circumstances have nothing to do with who he's created you to be. And that he is going to be the source of your definition, come hell or high water. And he's going to be this, that your, your definition isn't going to change whether your life looks like hell <laughs> or it looks like heaven. You aren't going to be more holy when you get your act together. You're not going to be, you know, more prosperous when it actually manifests. You believing that you're prosperous is the point. You believing that you're holy is the point. Amen? So, Holy Spirit, I I feel you. I can feel you, I don't know, doing some jumping jacks or something. It's because he's just getting warmed up. That's what he said. He's just getting warmed up. It's just getting warmed up. And anyone that says yes to this, he's like, okay, I'm getting in. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. Getting in the game. And so we say yes, Holy Spirit. We say yes to what what you've already begun, the good work you've begun in us. And we say yes to being the breakout year. And Lord, I thank you that Man, you're just, your grace is sufficient. I thank you that this is something that you're going to, you're going to do. You're going to do, and, and we're going to, we're going to do it as you do it. Thank you, Lord, that this isn't something that we, it wasn't our idea. 
Thank you. We didn't come up with it the breakout year. We didn't that wasn't our idea. That was your idea. Thank you that this you're just letting us in on what you're doing. It's not that we have to necessarily do anything. We just have to say yes. So we say yes. And we we help we ask you to help us. Help us just commune with you Holy Spirit. Help us to be spiritually minded. Help us to stay awake. Not just a roller coaster ride of you know, when we're, we're listening to worship music, we feel alive, and then we have the rest of our life. You know, Lord, we know we just want to we want to be in a place where it's just a constant abiding in the vine, where we're just we're man, we're just connected, and we're staying connected. Thank you for visions of victory. Thank you that you are giving us visions of victory and reminding us of those visions when we start to get under something. I know, Lord, as I've written my book, I've had to go back. I mean, I just, and that thing would set me right. Every time I'd look at the vision that you gave me, it would totally lift that, that toil off of me. We're not designed to live in toil, Lord. You've given us a vision of victory to stay in the flow, to stay in your flow, to stay in tune with what you, the grace that is on our life. And so we say yes, 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 yes. And Father, I just bless all of the people that are listening tonight, Father. And I just declare that you are doing something <laughs> supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in their life. <laughs> something that there is no normal word to describe. It is just so super abundant, far above what we can ask or we can expect or we can think. Lord, and I just thank you that we have grace to do every single thing that you've called us to do every single day. And we really don't need any more grace than that. Thank you for helping us get on your agenda, stay on your agenda, and stay in that place where we are walking in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.